0: I
1: key of G. Let's sing that song, Therefore the Redeemed of the Lord. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return,
0: and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon. And come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be. And come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Now therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon. And come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Now they shall upset gladness and joy. Now when sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Sing now one more time. Now they shall obtain gladness and joy. the past. Us,
2: but the bride of
0: Jesus, Lord, we're still alive, like a mighty eye Enraged we cannot be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the
1: Lord. Amen. I'm so glad we've got that power behind us. Let's sing that song um, God Will Make a Way. Let's put it in F. We'll sing this as we kind of switch gears here and uh, go before the Lord with uh, some prayer requests.
0: Oh God, will make a way And where there seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see Like I Holding closely To his side With love
1: play that softly we just want to go to the Lord in prayer over these prayer requests you may have your seats for just a moment I won't keep you standing too long we just want to remember Brother David Whitlock he had his surgery on Monday and he is at home recovering so we just want to remember him I also have here uh, that Miles Coffee is not with us this evening so if we could just remember him in prayer Also, if we could just remember uh, Brother Tim Airwood still uh, recovering from his time dealing with uh, COVID. So, if we could just remember him. And also, I have here uh, Brother Ron Nobleck's mother still needing a prayer and a touch from the Lord as she recovers. So, if we could just remember her. And also, I have here uh, Brother Jim Babb over in Tennessee is still uh, struggling. So, if we could just remember him. And also, I uh, have here to please pray for a family member, Billy Turner. He is in the ICU with COVID, and that is from Sister Chanel. So if we could just remember that. Um, also, uh, if you could just remember my grandmother, Sister Shirley Buchanan. Uh, she's at home not feeling well also, just uh, dealing with some respiratory issues. And uh, just uh, if you would remember me as well, I have a, just an unspoken request with uh, some job issues there so if you could just remember that and uh, i'll have you go ahead and stand and if i could have brother joe drum come and lead these prayer requests at this time
3: Jesus, we come to you in thankfulness and praise, Lord, tonight. Lord, you're giving us health. You've given us a wonderful place to worship you, Lord. Lord, a pastor that has the revelation, Lord, and is able to expound on it, Lord, and and just help us, Lord. Give us that little nugget, Lord, that you would have us to have and And, Lord, how it goes out to many people. Lord, we're thankful for all that you have done. Lord, we ask you to just continue to bless. You've heard the prayer requests. Lord, be with them. Lord, we just are just leaving it in your hands. And, uh, Lord, the bride is in a state of rest, Lord, resting on that revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, knowing that, as the song said, that Satan is raging, Lord, but, but we are steadfast by them waters, Lord Jesus. We ask you to continue in the service, Lord, and uh, let us be in your perfect will in all things that are said and done. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brother, Brother Joe. You may have your seats, and uh, we'll just take a few minutes to just worship for a little bit before Brother Barry comes. I don't have any specials. So let's put it in G, I think. And let's sing that song, I Come to the Garden. It's an old one. I
0: come to the garden alone while the dew is still on. with me and he tells
1: At this time, we'll have the ushers come forward. Let's get ready to sing that song, um, I Sing Praises to Your Name. And Brother Chris, I'll have you pray over the tithes and offering.
0: sing praises to your name.
1: Just sing it now as Brother Bear comes
0: Praises to your name
2: to him in prayer tonight. We also
4: have a request given to us for Harrison Jackson's, uh, f- he has a, a friend whose father was severely burned uh, today. He's at Mission Hospital, he's in extreme pain and we've been asked to remember him in prayer. don't know his name so uh, let's just hold that knee before us as well. So let's prepare your hearts now and these requests that we've already mentioned here and anything else that's in your heart. Now is the time to bring it to God. As the musicians play softly, let's just approach him this evening in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, that in good times, it's an easy thing, Lord, to address you. And in difficult times, it's always a relief that we have a place to turn to. Father, tonight, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you, Lord, with all sincerity, with all mindfulness, Lord, of our unworthiness to come into your presence. But, Lord, we ask now and pray that your holy presence, Lord, would just move on behalf of this gentleman, Lord, who's in Mission Hospital tonight. Lord, it's a terrible thing to experience a burn like that, and I just commit him into your hands now. Pray that the presence of Almighty God would just move on the scene and minister, Lord, to his body. Father, that's a terribly traumatic thing for a person, a family to go through. And so we just ask that your grace would be sufficient for him now. Bring healing to his body. Lord, touch his soul through all of it. And may he be reminded that there is a God who heals. Father, we commit our service tonight into your hands, thanking you for the opportunity we have to gather together. And living in a world that's full of changes, Lord, we just appreciate each gathering of your people. And now, Lord, I pray you would just come on the scene and breathe upon the Word. And as we approach it, we ask your forgiveness for anything, Lord, that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord, we pray, is our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray all of these things. And amen. And all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible tonight, if you don't mind. Let's look directly in the Scripture while you're standing. And it is good to see you all. It is good to be here. Good to see you all. Appreciate you being here. Don't have any more tomatoes. But it's great to have you all here, and may the Lord richly bless you. Uh, Shalom in the home. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I want to read two passages of Scripture here because we're going to deal with two things. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 18. And we welcome all the folks that are online as well. Uh, We have a large following on Wednesday nights, and uh, we welcome all of you as well. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And that means that you have to put forth the effort to try to live peaceably with somebody. It doesn't mean, well, you know, it's a hit or miss. It means that a person's got to give all they can to try to make this work. Second verse, Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. May the Lord at his blessing you may be seated. Let me say, first of all, that uh, I wanted to take, uh, I, was, I was working with the thought of uh, the things that are taking place in the world, and somebody had asked me a question about the nations of the earth, and um, I've been dealing with that subject, and it's kind of a very interesting question, very interesting answer, and uh, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight about things that have happened in, uh, in the world, in Afghanistan, and uh, having been there, uh, I know a little bit firsthand about what it's like to actually uh, try to live there and and conquer a land like Afghanistan, and uh, so maybe on Sunday, Lord willing, if, if the thought is still there, we'll work on that for Sunday, and uh, deal with some of the things that are, uh, that are taking place, because there are certainly some interesting things that are taking place, and as we, as we know, uh, things can happen pretty quickly in our world, that's for sure, things can change pretty quick, and knowing that, uh, we therefore need to be a people who are quick to change as well, Right? If the world can change real quickly, then that means that we as the people of God, we need to be nimble on our spiritual feet. Right? Okay. We'll do it Sunday, don't worry. All right. I don't know if you've visited our new website or not. This is not a mirror. This is not a camera on you. (laughs) David got it at least. But this is because Brother Aaron's in the pulpit and he knew that. I don't know why I'm not in the pulpit on the website. I don't know what you did. I don't know who you paid to get on the, on the website here. But nonetheless, uh, we, uh, we have redone uh, important portions of our website. So uh, you ought to go and visit it there. We appreciate Lucas's work, and uh, it's, uh, it's got some updated information in there, and, and so uh, we appreciate that. We are going to go ahead and have our uh, Labor Day meeting. Um, Lord willing, and we say Lord willing because at this point we're still allowed to meet like we are, and uh, there's some people who were going to come who are not going to come because there's some, uh, you know, they're reluctant to get into a crowd, and, and that's certainly everyone's choice uh, these days. But at this point, Lord willing, we're going to have our uh, meeting. We're gonna, uh, the brothers are, are scheduled to come, Brother John, Brother uh, Paul and we 'll have a meeting Saturday night and then two on sunday we 'll have a dinner uh, in between on Sunday afternoon so uh, we 'll be praying for that and looking forward to that uh, also as well the the uh, men 's meeting we 're still planning lord willing to uh, to do that, so there is still i believe there's still uh, some spaces that are left we 're going to be closing registration here pretty soon um, <clears throat> i Enjoyed our uh, time away. It had been a long time since I've been up at Brother Paul's. I missed their dedication of their new facility up there, uh, and they have a real nice new place. And so it was really good to be able to go up and spend the weekend with uh, many of the saints there and, and the people that uh, came. There was a crowd of people who came from uh, different churches on Sunday nights. so It was really nice to see all of those and be able to get away with Sister Becky and I uh, to be able to travel up there. And, and uh, although. Northern Ohio is the last place in the world you want to be in August, but we wound up in northern Ohio and southern Michigan uh, in August. But uh, nonetheless, it was it was really nice to be able to see everybody. Now, you're wondering, why is it so bad to be up there? Uh, it's just bad to be up there because of the weather. But uh, nonetheless, I, I li- we lived up there for 16 years. That's why I know that. So nonetheless, good to have all the Clavel clan back and uh, Brother uh, Johnny, sister Doris, and, and all of you here tonight. Good to have all of you with us, and may the Lord bless you tonight. All right, let's look in this uh, subject here tonight, and <clears throat> we want to deal with uh, shalom in the home. Our goal is to have uh, the blessing of God's presence in our home, and so whatever we do, we want to uh, create that atmosphere into which He comes. Now, the things that the principles that we're going to talk about tonight are. Uh, kind of timeless principles. They are principles that you can use anywhere. And uh, as I said to you, I think, last uh, last Wednesday night, that uh, when, you, when you think about uh, the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis, especially in the very early part, the first ten chapters, are really, really important in terms of getting a glimpse into the mind or the heart of God and what he really wanted for mankind, what his design was for mankind. And so when you, when you, uh, begin to think about that, when you begin to think about, uh, you know, how God's, how God's way is different than the way it came out after the fall, uh, you realize that God is determined to come back to His way. He's, He's always, He's always, uh, uh He's always changing. He's always, He's always aiming at, He's always pointing us to His way like it was supposed to be in the beginning. And I believe that we'll come back to that. I believe that we'll come back to His way, uh, just exactly as God planned it uh, in in the in the world to come. And that will be the better way. It'll be it'll be better uh, than uh, any way that we've experienced on the earth. And it's really hard for us to imagine what that would be like. But I will assure you, uh, it'll be a civilization. Brother Branham said that's higher than this one. It'll be better than this one. More pure. We don't know. We don't know what it's like to live in a world that's. Totally, 100% pure. We don't know what that's like because there's always change within our world. And there's always decay in our world. There's always regress in our world. Uh, you know, whether it's whether it's political or whether it's military, whether it's social, uh, you know, you have a new wave of, of uh, young people who come up all the time. You're always dealing with a new wave of young people, which is a nice thing that you have new waves of young people. You can imagine what it would be like if you didn't have it. Right. Uh, but, you know, young people have to go through uh, learning processes and they have to go through stages because uh, the world is there to tempt them and to drag them down in whatever way it can. And it will. Satan would devour you. He'd sift you like wheat. He'd put all kinds of temptations in front of you and make you sit there in church every every time church is on and still go out and do something that's contrary to the word, convincing you that you're justified in doing what you're doing. Did you get that? I mean, there's lots of people who sit in church, know what's right. They're not not—they're not unclear about what's right. They know the message is right. They know the Bible is right. That's not in question. And they can sit there every service and hear the right thing and go out and do something contrary to it and be justified in doing what they're doing. And it's an incredible thing, and it, therefore it takes uh, a constant emphasis on, on the relationship with God and the encounter with God, uh, because you know God is always dealing with our hearts, and He wants to see spir- spiritual maturity in all of us. And uh, we go, we experience that by uh, you know our learning and growing and hearing the Word and, and uh, allowing the Word to change us. It's a great thing that you're all sitting there, so nice and attentive and alert and all that. It's really good, but that's only part of it you've got to you've got to sit there and be willing to say more than just pleasantly, uh, pleasantly attentive and polite. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, speak to my heart tonight. Amen. And Lord, as the word finds its way to my heart, change me from what I am to what I should be. Amen. And until you really get to that place, the word of God is really uh, good lecturing. That's a good thing to sit underneath the Word of God, but a lot of it goes over your head if you can go out and do things that are contrary to the Word of God, believing you're justified. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, if you think you can take Brother Branham's words and, uh, you know, kind of debate them in your own mind and say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. That that mattered back then when he said it or it mattered for other people. Then you really don't know what, a, what it is to have a prophet in your midst. Yeah. And we've had a prophet in our midst, and that's an exciting thing. That's an exciting thing. All right, so... We, we focused this down in this little series, and it's now <laughs> hardly little, but in this series, we've been dealing with this idea of focusing within our household, uh, so that the Lord would direct our steps and help us to, uh, calm our anxious hearts within our own four walls. And what we want to do this evening here is to deal with this subject of communication and how we can resolve conflict. And this is the skill you've never, this is the, the skill you need most but have never learned. And all I'm going to do tonight is give you some tips and advice here on how that you can deal with conflict in the home. Because, um, you know, it's nice to know all the foundational principles. It's nice to know all the things that uh, are components for good families. But, hey, differences arise, right? Men are different than women. Huh. <laughs> so we, 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 we want to, uh, in a sense, we want to build on some of, the, some of these foundational pieces here and for men and 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 the subject of manhood men are called upon to reject passivity lead courageously accept responsibility and expect god's reward and god wants a man to walk on purpose uh, in the direction of the kingdom and to be able to influence and persuade his family to follow him did you get that any, in order to do that, we have to reject passivity. And passivity is that, uh, you know, just a lukewarm attitude of, well, you know, whatever will be, will be. I, I got news for you. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. So therefore, we should, as men of God, we should reject passivity, lead courageously, accept responsibility, and expect God's reward. Expect God's going to deal with us uh, according to our level of obedience. And so uh, we want to we want to keep those things in mind but in order to do that we have to push back the culture and as i've said to you before uh in our in our world the the culture uh you know we've lost the home field advantage right i, I put it that way and uh we also have uh we don't have the majority on our side anymore uh we used to have the majority a lot of people used to be fundamental bible believing you know scripture carrying uh d- decent moral people well you know, people's views are different in our world today and and you are clearly and categorically outnumbered. You and I, in the position we take, the socially conservative position we take, based on scripture, is not the majority. And with every passing year, the statistics are becoming more drastic all the time. And so therefore, uh, either, either we quit preaching this, or we preach it with all of our hearts. And practice it even if we stand out like a sore thumb. One or the other. Because there's going to be no middle ground with this stuff. And that's why I, I, you know, I'm accumulating uh, this, this little series. I wanted to accumulate stuff here to put in because, uh, you know, there will come a time probably when we won't be able to do it. But the world is pushing in. Let me give you an example here. I showed you this slide a while back where uh, on CNN they had this person, Sand- Sandy Lamott. And this was written in 2021 in June. And she said, some studies in the review found physical punishment, increased conduct problems, and signs of oppositional defiant disorder in children, which is characterized by temper tantrums, argumentative and defiant behavior, active of defiance and refusal to follow rules, spitefulness and vindictiveness. When it comes to discipline, there is a real move contrary to God's word. In our world today. Now, you need to be, you need to be, uh, wise when it comes to disciplining your children. And as I've said to you before, you need to make sure that your discipline in your household is age appropriate and it is within the boundaries of what is right and decent. Alright? And if we need to spell that out, we can, but we're not going to do it online. But I can tell you this that in our world, they have successfully moved any kind of physical uh, contact out of schools, and uh, the, the prevailing attitude is this one right here, that if you spank a child, it's going to spark in them temper tantrums, argumentative, defiant behavior, active defiance, and so forth. They'll act all that out. And in other words, if you, if you, if you uh, uh, use the rod on your child, then you're going to turn your children into criminal, criminals and derelicts. That's basically the idea. So there should be, in their opinion, in this opinion, there should be like a, a UN convention on the rights of the child declaration that says there's absolutely no uh, no discipline should be enforced on any child, and children should have the right to be and to say and to do and to become whatever they want. What a horrible world that would be if children ran it. It was never God's intention, Right. But nonetheless, that's what, that's what this article is all about. And I mentioned this to you before. And uh, she's saying that some studies... Now, these studies were relatively little. I read the whole article. It was relatively sparse. But now, let me show you what happens to an article like this. Okay, this is CNN. So this is mainstream. Uh, this is polluted stream. And, and so, therefore, a lot of people would have exposure to this. So we come, then, to this uh, website. So... Uh thinking about spanking your children, this is the headline. The, the, uh, 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 the website is wonderful.com. I think it is. Don't go there. Don't look it up. Thinking about spanking your children. Studies show that spanking can lead to worsening behavior. So this website takes that idea and includes that in their uh essay about uh you know about the the absolute um, abhorrence against disciplining children. This is the thing you should not do is you're going to turn your children into criminals, and uh, you should not do this at all, and not should have any kind of discipline whatsoever. And I'm just saying to you tonight that that's completely contrary to Scripture. There has to be discipline in our lives. Hey, I need to have discipline. I'm thankful for the discipline that God brings into my life. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the discipline... I mean, if you didn't have any discipline and you just wanted to eat whatever you want, whenever you wanted to, you'd certainly reap the consequences of that. And all the people who love church dinners said, amen. Church dinners will kill you. So if we had no discipline in financial matters, if we had no discipline in financial matters, imagine what your life would be like. If we had no discipline in the church, Imagine what it would be like. I mean, there, there's, there's, discipline is a part of our lives. It's not, it's not just related to children. It's a part of our lives. But can you imagine allowing children to have no discipline or boundaries in their life? It would be absolute chaos. So this author in this, uh, in this article here on the website, uh, you know, she's, she's quoting that same study, repeating the same article there. Her name is Agnes... Hugh. So I followed Agnes on the website, and Agnes is a mother, playful mother of three, who resides in sunny Southern California, and she's the founder of this website, uh, which is a popular creative website uh, for kids. And it has inspired families for the last eight years. Doesn't say that uh, Sister Agnes has any education or training or ability or insight into how to do this. She just uh, has her own website, and Agnes also believes kindness comes first. Also nice, and she has a authored a children's picture book called "My Color Is Rainbow." Guess what? That's about. And the themes of love and acceptance are all over that. So in other words, you understand, if people are able to develop a good website, you're made to feel like she's an expert on this subject. And the better the website, the more convincing it is, right? And yet all of it is contrary to God's Word. No matter how nice the website is, it's contrary to God's Word. What I'm saying to you is that in order for us men to lead our houses and our households for God, we have to push back the culture that we live in. Because the culture comes at us in every way, reminding you that what you're doing is not correct at all. So let's come back to Scripture. And we believe that God created a man in his own image, and in the image of God created him. And God made man to have dominion. He, he was supposed to have an exercise authority. He was supposed to be fruitful and multiply uh, on the face of the earth. And God gave him that responsibility. God gave him that environment. God gave him that role. And so, therefore, that is a proper role for a man. But remember now, when God made man, he uh, also had female inside of him, right? And took out the female and put certain things in the female that are not now in a man. Are we okay? So we can say that a man is different than a woman, right? We could also safely say that a man thinks differently than a woman. Or we could say a woman thinks differently than a man. Everybody agree with that? Sure we do, because all men think that God is male and all women think that God is female. So women think differently. And like Brother Branham said, that God is a God of variety. And so none of us are made the same. But a woman's mind is certainly made without any compartments, made without any boundaries at all. Now if you follow the ball in here, and I did today for a few minutes, I followed the ball, they're all... Uh, these balls are kind of in a, in a line. If you follow the logic, which is really not very logical, there's uh, the balls You know, are moving in a certain direction to go to a certain place right down at the bottom where those two people are. And that person picks up the ball, attempts to hand it to the other one, and it falls down in the hole. But uh, a woman's mind has lots of things going on at the same time. I see the guys are struggling as they're looking at this at this image here because that's not how guys think. Guys think very differently. <laughs> guys think in a kind of a linear fashion. They think kind of a one-at-a-time thing. They think in compartments. And they think in a kind of a logical way. They look at handling solutions in a very different way than women do. And um, we just had to wait a minute here until we get this. Well, you know, <laughs> I've been waiting all day. It hasn't loaded here. But I will tell you the difference, though, can be summarized here, and that is that men think more in compartments and they're able to, you know, box things into an area and not, not intertwine everything. And that's just the way that God made us. That's nothing to apologize for. It's not, it's, it is the way that God made us. And so therefore, it is in reality true that, uh, you know, 90% of men really are probably right where they should be and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, a lot of them have a nagging feeling that they're not. For some reason or another, they feel like they're not, because they see all the other things that are happening out there and wondering, should they be doing something different? And... <clears throat> Sometimes in the area of home life is where some of those biggest challenges really are and really do exist. Sometimes there are differences of opinion. So let's just jump in and deal with this, if this is all right. There's lots of different ways to approach this subject, but I wanted to go back in Scripture and just help you to understand and underscore the fact that this is something that is a big deal to God by the amount of scripture that's dedicated to it, all right? And I would say this tonight, that I need you to understand, number one, that God demands an effort on all of our part to resolve differences. The ability to resolve conflict and to settle an argument to reconcile differences and to bury the hatchet is is a thing that is close to the heart of God. It always depends on where you bury the hatchet. But I will tell you this, that there are parts of this that I use all the time because I deal with people. My work is all based on dealing with people. And there are parts of this that I use everywhere. So, you know, I got Brother Caleb here. Welcome back, Brother Caleb. Uh, you know, in in, in his, he, he lives by himself, but he works with uh, people and numbers and different people in different corporation corporate settings. You, st- you still have, have to interact with people and there are differences of opinion that occur. We all come from a family and so therefore we have to uh, you know, deal with differences that exist. No relationship ever failed because of conflict. But relationships do fail because of a lack of, of resolution of the conflicts. It's a failure to, to work at the resolution of the conflict is really where the trouble comes. So therefore, God is after us. God demands from us to be committed to make something right in whatever way we can. And that's where we use the scripture uh, to, as much as lieth within us, to make peace with all men. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, let's look here. Follow peace with all men and with the holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Our goal is to follow peace, to pursue it, to be hard after peace. And the place to start is not necessarily in the church or on the job, it is at home. Psalm 34 says, depart from evil and do good. Again, he says, seek peace and pursue it. In other words, you need to be hard after peace in your life. And I, I obviously, the first place that you want to have peace is peace with God. But then remember now, tucked underneath that is your life's partner and the family that God gave you. So you want to follow that. You want to be hard after peace in your own environment. Number three, in Romans chapter 14, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. So we have three scriptures here that are all saying the same thing. And things wherewith we may edify one another. So if we're going to pursue something, let's pursue uh, anything that creates peace or anything that builds up somebody else. I saw a T-shirt uh, one time, and it said, sarcastic comment loading, three, two, one. And I thought, uh, it's probably not a real edifying uh, way to approach life is to do it sarcastically. Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus gives the illustration, and he says, uh, you know, if, if uh, you, your brother has ought against you, he says, leave your gift at the altar. And go and reconcile with him, so that you may win him. And if he does not receive you, then take somebody else with you. And Jesus' example is to, uh, the ultimate goal is is to, to reconcile, to win somebody back. And that's the idea. So stop what you're doing, no matter what it is. Stop even the good things. Stop what you're doing, and go and see if you can reconcile and make that thing right. So whether you're guilty, whether you're innocent, God demands us to be peacemakers. God demands for us to be peacemakers. And God demands it from you. And God demonstrated it for you. So therefore, we need to do this. And let me, let me, let, let's let let the scripture here talk about it for a minute. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind. And the word kind there is mild and manageable. So Paul is talking to the New Testament Christian here. That you should be a manageable person. Not somebody who flies out of control when they get angry. But you should be manageable. In other words, you should be able to say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. If not now, let's sit down and talk about it a little bit later on. Sometimes when, there, when conflict arises, you know the temperature rises in the house, and it's not always not a good time to talk about things at the moment here. But as we'll see later on, that it might be good for us to talk about this later. But remember now, this is not a situation where, for Christians, this is what Paul, who Paul is addressing here, for Christians, that it flies out of control. But he says, rather, be manageable, be kind one to another, and tender-hearted, which means compassionate and forgiving. One another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So those are the characteristics, or if you like, that's that's the reason why we do this. Now, let's, you can always do this in this conversation. You can always do this and say, this is exactly the way I want God to be able to deal with me. And this is the way I want to be able to approach him as well. I want to be able to approach him in a way that I can pour out my heart. And I can uh, experience compassion from him. And he's not going to be so angry with me that he's going to be unmanageable. And he's going to be uh, harsh with me. But I know I can always come to him in genuine repentance. Right? Think about it in that way. That this is really the way that we want God to deal with us. For even hereunto were ye called, and also Christ Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow his steps. We are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. In other words, there's a point where even though Jesus was not guilty, he went to the cross nonetheless. And he suffered for us because he loved us. And because, this is, and this is what Peter says, for even hereunto, were ye called, you're called to this kind of a life, or this kind of an example in your life, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. When somebody does something and it's left for an example, we should follow in his footsteps. But God commanded his love for us, in that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you may sit there and say, well, I didn't start the argument. I didn't start the, the, the conversation. Uh, she did. So therefore, I'm not going to do anything uh, until uh, she makes the first step. Well, you should be thankful that Jesus never said the same thing about you. And he never said, well, you know what? Not my fault. I didn't start this. They started that because of their sinfulness. But rather, he stepped out and said, listen, this is what I'm going to do because the whole motive here." is love. Are we all right? This is not complicated, folks, this is not hard. The second thing that we need to talk a little bit about is, is how to calm down in a situation. And Proverbs twenty nine, and Solomon had a lot of experience with this, he had a lot of wives, it says An angry man stirreth up strife. The Hebrew means that he excited himself to war. He excited himself into a frenzy whereby he could go out and wage war. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. It's easy. I mean, people who get angry, uh, you know, they, they, they just do some really crazy things. They really do some crazy things, including screaming, throwing things, profanity, name-calling, hitting, any form of violence, or saying things they should not say. Like, I should never have married you. I will tell you that even if that is only said in the heat of the moment, it's still said. And it's hard to take back. So for me, as a Christian, an angry man, he when he gets stirred up to a place where he could actually enter into war and not be afraid... Or a furious man who abounds in transgression. Because when a furious man loses control, he loses control generally of his mouth and he'll say all kinds of things and then he'll react. And sometimes the other person's reaction uh, will cause things that are as excessive as what we find here in the list. And this is not a complete list. But there are lots of different ways that uh, we could exhibit violence, unfortunately, in a relationship. And these are things that a lot of people don't ever see. But I will say this that I think it's important for us to recognize that, uh, you know, our, our children, by our lives, let me say it the right way. Our children, by our lives, use a kind of a measuring stick of the effectiveness of this message by watching the interactions between a husband and wife. Now, let me, and, and let me just say this that if a young person is old enough to kind of sit down and think this way and say, wow, mom and dad are in the message, but dad is over here uh, using bad language and mom is throwing good dishes at dad, and you know what? If that's what the message produces, I'm out. Is that clear? I mean, is that... It's not, it's not ambiguous. But there are young people who are disassociated and disconnected with a church or the message, not because they feel deep down the message has errors or flaws in it, but they've never seen anybody really live it in the long run. And it becomes really hard to hold on to young people who have witnessed that in a lot of ways. Now, listen, moms and dads can make mistakes, and mom and dads can ask forgiveness, and mom and dads can make things right, and I appreciate all of that. But this is, this is the, the warning that, that Solomon gives us, that an angry man, he can stir himself up. He, he, if, if, if that, if that is something about him that gets out of control, then he needs to starve that thing. He needs to come to the altar to have prayer for that thing. He needs to ask God's help that he does not exercise that thing. And he has to find creative ways to vent anger without having to vent it on some other innocent person. Because unfortunately, there is a lot of abuse that never gets reported and never gets talked about. And I'll tell you what, it even gets less talked about in a message environment because uh, a lot of people would think, well, they, you know, that would be a, an appalling thing. But I will tell you something that, you know, it, like I say, it, God is concerned about this because there's so much in Scripture about it. Let's look again at Proverbs 15:18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. And this is a man who has burning anger. He has rage. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. So someone who is slow to anger is going to try to avoid that. He's going to try to still that rough sea. He's going to try to put out that small fire before it gets a big one. And sometimes you had to be proactive in doing that, in stepping in and saying, all right, we're not going to go there, we're going to stop, we're going to cool it, we're going to take a time out, we're going to do that. This can happen between parents and teenagers, this can happen between husband and wife, this can happen in a family gathering, happen in lots of different places here. But if you get somebody who's a firebrand, somebody who's a firecracker, uh, they can get in there and stir up strife. And they don't ever seem to know where the, where the... Uh, the, the line is. They really don't never seem to know where the holding back point is. But he that's slow to anger appeaseth at strife. I'd rather be the second kind of a man. There are times when it's good for us to delay confrontation, if, if needed, and if that's appropriate. A fool uttereth all his mind. Usually it doesn't take long. But a fool will utter all his mind. he'll just blurt it all out and dump it all out there, but a wise man will keepeth it in until afterwards. So a wise man will, will very often hold things back and want to think about it, or want to ponder on it a little bit, or want to consider all the options. Because sometimes there are things that, uh, you know, that are said that a, a person, and especially a man, because a woman with her mind the way it works and all the... I mean, listen, I know lots of women who should have been trial lawyers, not mothers, because they're able to stand and think on their feet really fast and make comebacks and make comments and decisions. And I, I'm not like that. I, I'm a person, I like to go back in my cave and I like to think about this a little bit. And, you know, even even matters of church and things. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not real quick very often to... Uh, put people in positions or make rash decisions uh, in the church. I try not to. But I'm a kind of person, I, I just, that's my nature. I just like to think about it. I like to, uh, go, go through the scenarios and like to think about it. I would not have made a good trial lawyer because after the court case, I would have thought, you know what? They could have said this. And a trial lawyer would lose his job if that's the way he thought. But some people, some people are very quick and a fool uttereth all his mind. He's just usually holding onto a viewpoint. Hey, truth doesn't matter. Why not truth get in the way of a good argument? Right? A fool doesn't care. He just likes to be on the center stage and he likes to be the loudest one. This, the other thing that I think is important is that we shouldn't gossip about it. And I mean, this, this in Proverbs 16 says a forward man or someone who has the ability to pervert the view of a situation soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth friends. So in other words, uh, you can, let's put that in the modern vernacular and say, uh, hey, all my Facebook friends, if you don't mind praying for me, because my stupid husband has done this again, and I'm pretty mad, and I, I don't know if I can continue to live with him, so if you don't mind praying for me. And they put out enough there. Can you imagine if my wife put things out like that? You'd be sitting there in the church and thinking. Now I don't have Facebook. Has my wife put out anything like that today? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. No, I'm. But you understand, you can you can destroy a person's character in the phrasing of a prayer request. You can slaughter a person's character or a friend. You can say all kinds of things that would make people think ill of another person. And you can divide chief friends. You can divide people and separate good friends. It happens. Hey, it happens all the time. And and sometimes it can be, uh, you know, a statement that can be taken one way or the other. And whether you're doing it on your phone or whether you're doing it in person and you're, you're sharing it, I mean, in, in our message community, we have, we have certain phrases. We have certain ways, right? Like if I go to somebody and say, hey, listen, <clears throat> I just need to tell you this, but don't tell anybody. That's a cue to tell everyone. And everyone generally knows when you do that. A forward person is interested in coming out on top of a situation. In this case right here, a whisperer or a tailbearer always wants to wind up, after the dust settles, always wants to wind up as the one that's lily white. They want to wind up as the person who looks good in this situation. That's the goal of a tailbearer, even if it's not, uh, even if it's not a conscious decision. A whisperer, somebody who likes to spread news about somebody else, is basically saying, you hear about this person, to hear about that person, to hear about that church, hear about what they're doing, to hear about this, hear, and, and they, they wind up making themselves look like the only person left standing who's got any sense at all, and that's the whole idea. And that motive is wrong. That motive is incorrect. And so, therefore, we had to be very careful uh, in in dealing with, uh, in, in allowing these kinds of things to come. So, in other words, we need to be careful about what we say. If we have a difference, it's better that a husband and wife, for instance, or a family deals with that difference, and it's really better off that nobody else knows. I, I will tell you what, I, I, I don't like a tailbearer, and I've always tried not to be one, and we've had differences, I've had differences with people who have come to this church or who may be in this church, But you don't hear about them because I find that preaching them over the pulpit really doesn't help anything at all. Some people make them sermon material, and I know that because people have come to me and shared things with me, and I say, well, wow, you're not a bad communicator, you're a good communicator. Why don't you tell your pastor? And he said, because the last time I told my pastor, the whole church heard it in a sermon. And that happens, that happens more frequently than you'd think, folks, and so... It's, you, can, you can really destroy people and their character and their reputation, and you can come between chief friends by saying the wrong thing just because you want to have allies on your side. So one of the things that, that we need to do in a confrontation is to humble ourselves and own your part. There are very few situations in your house where it's just that one person. Very few, if any situations where it's just that one person i uh i i mean i know a a minister who if i told you his name you'd probably most of you old-timers would probably know him and he attempted to leave his wife to find another wife which he did and the accusation was is that he had said that my wife was not pure when she got married and so therefore i have a right to leave her some of you know who i'm talking about the, the real story was, though, the, the reality was, is that he is the one who had taken that girl in her singleness and defiled her. And now later on in life, he wants to get rid of her and marry a younger girl, which he did. And justify it because he says, now I find out that she's not a pure woman and therefore I'm married under a false vow. How would you like that guy to be your pastor? So you have to own your part. Of the issue. And sometimes that requires having a third party. Sometimes that requires, you know, bringing somebody in. And if, if, the, if the differences are great and you can't really talk about them without sparks, then you, sometimes you need to uh, bring somebody in and, uh, just to be able to umpire. Because you'll react differently if I'm sitting across the table with each other. You'll react differently with each other if I'm sitting across the table. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> well, let's, we'll come to that. Watch what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 Be of the same mind one toward another and mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits, and recompense to to no man evil for evil, and provide things honest in the sight of all men. So in other words, we need to have perhaps a, a lower opinion of our own greatness, a lesser opinion of our own importance, and come down to where normal people are, And realize that you know what we really are—we really should be fighting on the same side. We really should be pulling the rope from the same direction, because after all, we have a family, we have we have children, we have we have a, a, a covenant between us, and a covenant between us is not something that God looks at in a trivial way. It is something that's very important to God. I read a story, a true story, about a wife, a man who finally got his wife to go hunting and, uh, got her out there on the hill and she was standing on one side of the, the raven or the ravine and, and he was on the other side and saw this beautiful deer, took a shot, and as soon as he took a shot, another shot rang out. And, uh, the deer went down, but he had rock, uh, rocks, uh, splinters. Uh, all over his face and cut his face. And he realized that his wife was over on the other side of the ravine and he was there and they're both shooting at the same deer. And, uh, he, his conclusion was in the story, this is a true story, he said, the conclusion was, he said, it's both to get, it's better to get both you and your wife on the same side of the target in life. Obviously. So the idea is to be of the same mind one toward another and and to not always be in a position where you have to win the argument. Because proud people only want their side heard. And proud people won't admit their fault in a situation. And proud people won't reconcile very often because to them it's a sign of weakness. If somebody is proud, they're generally going to find it difficult to back off their position. Because to them that would be a, a nothing but short of a compromise. Even when they can sit there and say, I know I'm right, and I'd like to ram it down your throat. It is, it is better to have the same mind one toward another and to be, to be willing to deal with this in a more rational way. Because it's not, there's no one keeping score about who wins every discussion and who wins every argument. I appreciate the gentle amens. James chapter 4, James writes, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. There's something good that God sees when he sees people humbling themselves. And in every situation to submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because Satan will get into this area of discussion and conflict between married couples especially. He'll get in there and make you feel like you're the victim. And he'll make you feel like you're, you should never compromise in a situation like this. Because after all, you're the man or you're uh, the beat down woman or whatever else. And he'll get in there and in a, in, in a subtle way, he'll try to remind you that your point matters. Your position matters. Well, if... if If we take the opposite of that and we we say, okay, if Jesus had taken that attitude, then he never would have humbled himself to go to the cross because he would never have had a reason to do that. He could have stood there and if Jesus stood and never, he looked at the cross and never went to it, he would have been perfectly justified because he really had no rational reason to die because he had committed no sin, but he did anyway. He humbled himself to the cross. He humbled himself to the place of hanging on the cross for our sins here. Even though he knew he was in a position that he was right, he was still willing to go to the cross on behalf of the ones that he loved. Door to the heart. Brother Bram said there's another little door called pride. That's a terrible one. And when you get Jesus into your heart, all the pride will go out. When you get Jesus in your heart, all the pride will go out. All the pride. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't come to church dressed decently and have clothes that don't have mud on them and that kind of thing. I mean, that's, we're not talking about that. But we're talking about this idea of always having to win in an argument, never being able to apologize, never, you know, looking down on people that you feel are less than you, having a, having a non-scriptural attitude about women, He says, I'll tell you what it'll do for you. A good old-fashioned baptism of the Holy Spirit will make a pair of overalls and a tuxedo suit, put their arms around one another, and call each other and another brother. But he's just Savior. Well, that's not enough. If he's a Savior, he must be also Lord to guide you to his salvation if he's a Savior. He wants to guide you down from your lofty position of your opinion of yourself down to the place where we all live, and he wants you to be able to humble yourself to be able to deal with the people around you. This was Sister Carol Henley's favorite quotation quoted it to me often because Sister Carol and her husband, her husband was a very wealthy businessman, very successful. And Sister Carol was did not have in any way, she didn't have a proud attitude about, you know, the position that she had and her husband had and all that. And she quoted this quote to me very often, because this is how she truly felt. She said, I'm no better than anybody else in the church. I'm no better than anybody else because of our position in life. And she said it'll take the Holy Ghost in you. She said, Well, Cause you to be able to come to somebody who's of uh, lower social standing. She said, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with anything. She said, if he's your Lord, he will guide you to his salvation if he's really your Savior as well. Are we all right? Just let's, let's just, let's just, a couple more. You gotta learn to let some things go. Everything is not Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Everything, every hill is not one to die on. Right? Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man, the discretion there is wisdom. The wisdom of a man defers his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. There are some things that you should just pass over. There are some things that you can let go. There are some things you can chalk up to other reasons, and you can you know, sometimes logically think about those other reasons why certain things are said or certain things happen. And God will not fault you because you don't follow up on every confrontation. God will not blame you or point his finger at you and say, why didn't you correct your wife on that? Why didn't you correct your teenagers on that? Because sometimes it is your glory to pass over a transgression. There are things that a man's got to watch for that may become patterns in the household. Like uh, teenagers can develop an attitude and say, well, you know, I'm I'm 18 and a half and I don't have to do whatever anyone says because I'm 18 and a half and I can leave. Then leave. The government says, well, you know what? Who cares what the government says? I said, who cares what the government says? If you're a Christian, we care about one thing, and that's what God says. And you say, well, uh, you know what, uh, Brother Barry, you don't know the laws of the land because they're 18. Listen, I tell you what, I'm 64, if you haven't heard. I'm 64, and I still have, I still have respect for God's word. I thank God for the laws of our land so far that uh, allow us to live and to be able to enter into contracts because if you're 18, you can live in the contracts and so on. But you know what? You're never old enough to just take God's word and put it back in his face and say, if you're a girl, well, I can cut my hair or I can wear makeup or I can wear a split in my skirt or I can, uh, you know, live whatever way I want to and I can uh, kiss a boy and, uh, you know, I'm not married to and so forth because I'm 18. I'd like you to show me that in the Scripture. Our first duty is to God. Our first duty is to God. And God will honor you when you obey his word. So when a man sees a pattern, he has a right to deal with that pattern. When he sees something that is worthy of correction, then that's his responsibility because he cannot abnegate or he cannot defer that decision to somebody else. He needs to deal with those things. But I will tell you this, you can keep strife going inappropriately. And the Bible says that, Proverbs 26 says, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. Duh. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. You can stir things up on social media. You can stir things up among your friends. You can stir things up within the church, right? But I will tell you what, if you deprive that fire of wood, it'll go out and there are times when the best thing you can do is just cease from dealing with this thing there are some things you need to let go there are no perfect human beings among us and if you want to have shalom in your home there are some things you're going to have to let go the idea is to make reconciliation that when it comes to resolving conflict when resolving differences in your household the idea is the goal is the 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 crown is when we can reconcile two people And it should not be it should not be um, anything less than that. That should be the goal. Matthew chapter 18. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault, as I mentioned before. I had a brother come to me the other day, and he said, uh, you know, I was thinking of putting my uh my one of my children out of my out of my house, and uh, you know, just didn't want to have them there because they didn't believe the message. Now I I will tell you this that uh, you know, all situations are not easy. All situations are not easy to deal with. And a person needs to have real wisdom. A father and a mother need to have real wisdom when it comes to things like this. I love this little saying here. It says, the goal is not to let them know how much they hurt me, and I just want to give them a piece of my mind. I can argue and debate better than my husband, for instance. I have a stronger personality. I don't want to use that to win the argument. I want to win him. So there are times when a, a statement like this is going to help us because we need to think, sometimes we need to think long-term. We need to think, okay, for the moment I might be upset and angry and I might feel like I need to lash out and do something, but I often encourage parents to think long-term. Think about this and how this is going to affect your relationship going forward and how this is going to impact the, you know, the, the people involved here. So the goal is not always to win. The goal is to reconcile if we can to do what we can to bring harmony or shalom in the home. We want to select an appropriate time and a place for differences. Proverbs chapter 15, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? There are times when we we should not deal with this in front of a house full of children or at Thanksgiving dinner, uh, I will tell you sometimes there are situations where it's better for you to take your wife and go out to a restaurant and discuss it there. Because you're probably not going to throw dishes in the restaurant. You're probably not going to yell too loud in a restaurant, although I've seen it. Uh, you're probably not going to get violent and turn over furniture in the restaurant, although I've seen that. Uh, you're going to be a little bit more restrained in different settings. But I will tell you, Thanksgiving dinner is probably not the best place to do it. The goal is to discuss when you're most ready to listen. The goal is to discuss things not when you feel like it, but the goal is to discuss things when you're more ready to listen. Why? Because the best communication is to listen and to receive rather than just to to say words. You find a time and a place that is free from distraction, interruption, and cell service. I like this statement. A soft answer turneth away wrath. It's been a life scripture for me. It's one that I've used in many, 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 many situations. But grievous words stir up anger. And the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. So the goal is to listen more than you talk. Proverbs 15, the heart of him that under, I told you Solomon had it. Hey, he had a lot of advice to pass on. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. But the mouth of fools feed on foolishness. So if you have, if you have a desire to understand, and you want to know what's going on. And, and again, I'm using examples in my office here uh, as a pastor. Many times, you know, people will will have done something, and you've heard about something, and so you bring them in and say, hey, let's talk about this. Rather than pronounce a judgment, I always like to hear, well, how? tell me your, your side of the story, because every slice of bread I've ever eaten always had two sides. It's got a little crust, but it has two sides. And so it's really wise to hear both sides. In the heart of him that hath understanding, he seeketh knowledge. He wants to know what's right before we make the decision, before we make the judgment here. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. I think if there's anything else that I could leave you with, it would be this scripture right here. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. So I need to pay attention to not only uh, how my spouse might react to what I'm going to say now, but I need to understand how this will be remembered, how this will be dealt with down the road, or how my children are going to react to this. When they're older, how will they remember this? So I need to study a little bit. I need to think a little bit about... Answering or responding or reacting in a situation here. And the heart of a righteous man is gonna do that. He's gonna, he's gonna assess all the different factors that go into why we've gotten to where we are. Why are we here? Why is there conflict? Why, what is it that's going on? Is there something going on in the background that I don't know? Is there, is someone not feeling good? Is there someone, is there sickness involved here? Is there some other news or is this just reciprocal anger? I don't know if you know what reciprocal anger is. But, for instance, if a man has a really bad day at work and his boss has gotten all over him and he's made mistakes and, you know, really been chewed out for it and had a rough day and left work not knowing whether he's ever going to go back because he's so fed up and so angry and so so worked up about it, but he leaves work because he doesn't want to say anything there because he could get fired if he really told people what he thinks. And then he goes home to dinner and one of his kids, uh, by mistake, knock over the cup of juice on the table there and he explodes. And his reaction is way out of proportion for the crime that's committed. Way out of proportion. Because he's venting all that anger in another setting that he knows he's not going to get in trouble for. That's called reciprocal anger. I'm going to take this anger that really belongs over here and I'm going to pour it out over here because I know I'm not going to lose my job if I yell at this. And most often the wife will say, when, when the dust settles and the stretchers are all gone out of the room, was that really necessary? Was it really necessary to react that badly? It's only milk or it's only juice. You can take anger that doesn't belong here. It belongs somewhere else or has, should be dealt with somewhere else, but you can bring it over here reciprocally and you can pour that out over here, and that's really not fair. It's not fair. The heart of the righteous study it to answer. Look, folks, let me say it again. Let me underscore the fact that none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And none of us get it all right all the time. And even in me saying these things, I, you know, sometimes you, you might you might sit there and say, Wow, Brother Barry, all those things you know. Many many of these things I know because of experience. Many of these things I know because I've learned them. Many of these things I've I've seen and helped people work through. None of us are perfect because we all are under the pressure of the age and the pressure of the time. You remember I showed you the graph that, uh, you know, we live in a very unhappy time. People perceive things to be less happy and content as to what they were. They feel less secure in our culture. They feel less secure uh, medically. They feel less secure with, a, with the government. They feel less secure in their job and with finances and so forth. People generally feel less positive than they did year, five years ago and ten years ago because things have changed. I only expect that to increase, that people would feel even less happy and less secure. So here's the thing, though, that we have, and I think it's a wonderful thing that we have. We have the ability to turn to God. When you come to services like this and you say, wow, number four, number six, man, that's me. You can at least now go to God and say, Lord, I know exactly what I need to pray for. And I need help in this particular area. I need, Lord, I, I need you to mend some things in my family that have that I, I've, I've really messed up, or that we've lacked in our family. Just that honesty, and maybe that deferral of anger, or uh, less of a you know a angry outburst, or whatever else. And now you can go home and say, Lord, now I know the scripture. Now I know I can go and ask Him for this. And if it's based on His Word, and you can say to Him, Lord, help me to study before I answer. Help me to. Help me to ponder, not just blurt out things that I shouldn't say, because that doesn't help. It doesn't really fix anything. But, Lord, help me to be the kind of person that just takes a step back, studies it a little bit, and then responds to that. None of us are perfect, but we have a perfect God that we can turn to. None of us have the resources within ourselves to find our own way. But I will tell you something. God has the ability to help us and to check us in the situation as we move into it and to say, hey, hey, this is what we talked about. Why don't you pull back, pull back? None of us are perfect. But I will tell you, we 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 serve a perfect one. We believe in a perfect God who has a perfect word. And he has solutions. To me, the solutions are perfect. They always have been and they always will be. It doesn't matter what the culture does with their beliefs about the Bible. I believe that God's word is perfect. And I believe his solutions are right. And I think that we should not be hesitant to go to God if we have a problem with anger or have a problem with, you know, constant conflict either in our mind or in our home. I I think we, you know, we should keep that before God and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, this is yours. I don't want it anymore. My kids don't want it anymore. My wife doesn't want it anymore. We're going to lay it on the altar and just let it go. And let it go. And trust that God will take it from you and destroy that and make you a better you in the process. That's really what we want, isn't it? Because we want to have shalom in the home. Let's stand to our feet and let's stop. Let's stop right where we are. The righteous studieth to answer. I read this little quote the last time we were here. And Brother Branham said that he used that verse out of the Psalms. And he said, the next time I start to say a bad thing, he said, I put the Lord between me and that problem. Put the Lord... In His presence, every day in my dealings, every day in my talk, I'm just going to put the Lord before Him. I'm just going to just going to keep keep uh, mindful of Him and His His grace, and realize that Lord, the only way we'll be successful in doing this, the only way we're going to successfully raise our family and launch them into the world, is if we keep the Lord before You. And that's a great, great little piece of advice. Let's sing that little chorus, Have Your Way, because that's what we want them to do. Lord, just have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. Have your way, Lord, in all these different matters, especially the hard things. Sing it now with me.
2: Have your way. Lord, have your way. Oh! time.
4: I'd like to pray with you this evening here, just at the end of our service. And I'd like you all to bow your heads together, if you don't mind. And as we pray, I want you to slip your hand up if you feel like maybe this is an area that, Lord, I really need your help and I need your, I need a little change here. Lord, I need to help to react properly. Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, there's hands that are raised and hearts are bowed before you, Lord. There's probably none of us that can proudly say we've got it all right. We've done it all right when it comes to reacting to our children and our spouses the situations we found ourselves in. None of us, Lord, I pray, none of us, none of us, Lord, are immune from the pressures that we find in this life all of us are filled with shortcomings but lord we believe we serve a god who cares about this particular part of our lives and our families we believe lord that you are mindful of everything that we go through and lord we don't want to be silent sufferers here but we want to pour out our petitions before you we want to give these needs to you We want to trust you to help us, Lord, in these times of need. Lord, your grace is always sufficient. So, Lord Jesus, come on the scene, I pray. Touch every heart. Those that are listening, those that are here tonight, I ask that you would just touch every heart and help us, Lord, to be the kind of a Christian that our children even can look at and say, if that's what the message produces, I want it. I want it. I want to be that way. Lord, we're asking for your help here. Forgive us of mistakes we've made and help us, Lord, going forward. We love you and we thank you, Lord, that you're gentle with us. And Lord, you don't bring a harsh judgment into our lives, but Lord, you express your love and grace to us in bringing us a word that helps us see ourselves. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. For your glory.
2: Have your
0: way,
2: have your way. G, if you will. He's my Lord. There Clay in the pond.
4: we submit ourselves to you like clay and ask dear God you would put your hands on us and mold us into your image because that's the way we've been made help us Lord right where we are we give you thanks and praise Lord for all you've done in our lives and we look to you Lord to continue that work deep within our hearts have your way Lord we pray in the name of Jesus Christ we ask bless our assembly as we Go our different ways and bring us back, Lord, at the appointed time. And, Lord, have your hand upon every gathering, Lord, and may you inspire the word of God, Lord, to work deep within us to help us, Lord, to be what we need to be. We love you. We love each other, Lord, and we appreciate your goodness to us and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Only to be one. Sing it as you go tonight. God bless you.
2: Every moment. I